Hello and welcome to the new ep- a new episode of the Transfer News Central podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Johnny Bentley. James is joining me. Declan's on holiday, but there's still lots to discuss. Uh, still a transfer that's alive and kicking, despite the fact that um, it closed in, in England for several weeks now. Jurgen Klopp's not too happy about that, but actually Liverpool did vote for it, so... Um, you know, you got you get what you uh, you get what you vote for, I guess. But uh, yeah, a few a few managers getting a little bit aerated, a little bit not too happy with it with the fact that their foreign counterparts can still liaise with other clubs to bring players in while they must remain happy with what they have. But James, we are going to go a bit away from the elite leagues of the world that we like to discuss usually and look a bit further down at some of our at the prospects of some of our football league clubs. So Bolton Wanderers in a very different position, but Bury Football Club even in an even more worrying predicament. At the time of this recording, they are still a football league club. However, by the time this gets released, they might not be, which is horrific, uh, a horrific thought for their fan base. So just to go through a few things, James, Steve Dale, their current chairman, who's trying to negotiate them out of this position, has been sending mixed messages today. A few hours ago, he requested or pledged that businesses and fans with a love for the club should help raise £2.7 million by tonight in order to save the club. And then in another interview, he suggests that there's a potential takeover in the offing with a, with some interest, some interested parties for the club and has suggested that could get done before tonight, but he's giving no assurances. I mean, this situation is farcical, isn't it? And if you were a Bury fan, James, you'd be horrified. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's... it's... It's almost embarrassing that it's got to this point. I mean, with two clubs as well mm. in League One getting to this situation where they've got, for one way or another, they're just they're on the verge of going out of business and being checked out of the league. In Barry's case, and these are yep. these are clubs with great history. They've been all around for a long time. Mm. You know, they've got a proud history. They've got a devoted set of supporters who love the club and who. They're kind of local clubs. Yeah, these people won't, they just can't just go and follow another club. It's not like kind of their community as well. And it's it's just a tragedy. And um, there's probably there's poor ownership has been in, been involved in both clubs. I think the Football League hasn't probably been as helpful as they could have been, if I'm honest, the EFL. I mean, it applies to any club, though, doesn't it, James? You're a huge Chelsea fan and you have been for your entire life. If hypothetically Chelsea stopped existing yeah, forever, it would be awful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I would do. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just. I couldn't just go. And, you don't just go and support another club. It's like you said, this was your club, and it was like it reminded me like Wimbledon went out of business, and um, the only way to save the club was to start another club, which which was mad, wasn't it? Yeah. But then they started a new club called AFC Wimbledon, which was basically, and it was kind of this is this is Wimbledon as it was, just starting over mm-hmm. from scratch, carrying on the spirit and the support of the original club. So. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I remember when Bolton in the Premier League and we used to play them last year. It was always a difficult game. Sam Allardyce and well, they had a really good team. And like to see them in this position is like, I mean, to see both clubs in this position, but a club that I remember us playing and I went to watch play, you know, it's just, it's just incredible that this has happened and it's awful. And, it, you know, we need to do all they can to, to be counter. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned James the Wimbledon scenario, and actually there was a, there was a, I think there've been a few FA Cup clashes, haven't there, between AFC Wimbledon and MK Dons, and that's had so much, you know, there's been so much. I think they've been on the television, and you know, you've got the old sort of patriotic, if you will, supporters that stuck with 
AFC Wimbledon, they felt that was the natural way to follow their team through thick and thin. Literally, they got excommunicated from the league and they built their way slowly back up, really, in fair play to them. But then there were a lot of people, of course, that, that went with MK Dons. But in terms of Berry now, you know, they are, it's, it's very much desperate times, desperate measures probably required. And I've been having, reading, I've been doing a bit of research of this. My granddad, um, before he died, he was a huge Berry fan. And I mean, he'd be horrified, you know, if he was still alive now, it'd be an absolute nightmare for him to see this situation unfolding as it is. But essentially what happened was, so Steve Dale bought Berry for a pound. He took, he bought the club for a pound in December, 2018. He was taking on a club that had lots of debt attributed to it uh, after years of overspending by the previous chairman, Stuart Day. And so first of all, I'm looking at that and a lot of people looking at that and you can buy a football club for a pound. I find that baffling that the EFL allowed that for starters. It's madness, isn't it, though? Yeah, I mean, that's funny that you've mentioned that because uh, in 1983, yes. Chelsea was bought for a pound by Ken Bates, but on the condition that he paid £5 million debts, which he did, to be fair to him. Um, he was a good owner. You know, some, you, the thing is, nowadays in football, there are some really bad owners out there. I mean, it, and actually, the worst owners are not in the Premier League. They're in the... Yep. They're in the lower leagues. You know, people are taking on clubs. And then, like the Sunderland owners who came in last year, they're now now looking to sell. And it's like, well, I'm not entirely convinced that they were entirely being honourable in how they bought the club, you know. And- well, essentially, just to just to expand upon that, so they bought, they bought the club for a pound. Again, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe there should have been a few more red flags there with regards to this purchase, uh, because the EFL then banned Berry from playing a match as they found that Dale was unable to provide evidence, evidence that he had the money to pay off the current debts in their entirety. They, they felt, therefore, that it meant that they weren't fit to field a team on a weekly basis because they couldn't pay off their outstanding debts. Um, he claims in an interview recently the debts were at £40 million when he took over and now the debts are at £3 million. Whether or not that's true, I'm not sure because today he's been giving out two different narratives. One where the, f- the supporters and other businesses need to rally around to help pay £2.7 million. Another one where someone's or they have a, a mystery investor in the in the offing who may swoop in to save the day. But also he's not a foot- he's not interested in football. He's even said so. He says he wants Bury to survive as a club, but he has no interest in football. That's probably not a good thing either, is it? Because owners, while they... First of all, number one should have a, a safe, a good business financial head on. They should also know what football clubs mean to the people and to the fans. Surely, absolutely. I mean, it's really, really important. That's you know, that's, that's one. I mean, like I can only speak from my own my own club's perspective. But like a lot of Chelsea, younger Chelsea fans, are always criticising Roman Abramovich. But I just found out yesterday actually that he's put another 140 million into the club, and he's never taken a penny out of the club. And he's built training facilities, he's, he's built the academy, he's mm. put money in for players, he's paid off all the debts, you know, never tried to take a penny out of the club. And I'm, I keep telling people, like, you don't want to, people people who want him to sell, like, don't, you know, glass is not always been, I, would, I don't want him to sell because I think he's a good owner who actually cares about the football and if he could come to game, he probably would. Yeah, so there's a lot of bad owners out there and it's not like, it's getting a bit kind of, it used to be a big deal when a club got taken over, but it seems to happen every year now. You know, like different clubs get taken over by different people that you kind of lose track of yep. of who's own who owns which club. It used to be that you knew who all the owners of the clubs were. Like, you know, I mean Aston Villa were owned by Doug Ellis for years and you know, other clubs were like owned by different people for a long time. It wasn't like Nowadays, it's like some like some clubs change owner every couple of years. It's, it's a lot of it and it's especially lower league clubs that are vulnerable because they're not as financially strong as the big club. 
they, they're more liable to be taken over, especially if they're kind of down the bottom and they're getting relegated and they don't have parachute payments. And well, I mean, Sunderland were an example of this, where they spent a load of money, then the parachute payments ran out and they couldn't invest in the first team and they got relegated twice. You know, it just... Port- Portsmouth as well. Yeah, Portsmouth are another example of that. Yeah, Blackburn as well. There's a lot of examples of bad ownership. I suppose then you've got Blackpool, who were the opposite, weren't they? They, they just didn't spend at all, and they were taking the money from the club. I, th- I think um, the Oyston family were one of the worst owners, I think, in the football league. I mean, they, when they got Blackpool to the Premier League, they barely spent a penny. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but they were just crippling the football club, and it was it was awful to see. And I think there was a, there was a, a fan boycott of games until the Oyston family left. It got that bad. And of course, the Oyster family did leave, and now Blackpool have appointed Simon Grayson, who used to manage them before. Now the prospects look a lot brighter. But in terms of Bury, because this is obviously quite a pressing matter, I've been looking at a few tweets actually out there about this financial problem. And there's been a big take, and it seems quite a divisive take, about the situation in terms of some people have... Well, there's, there's, there's lots of different extremes. Some One person or what, what a few accounts have said, which I think is wrong, by the way, this is the fault of the rich mega Premier League clubs who aren't willing to give them money to sort themselves out. You see that? It was a, I think, I actually know the guy who did that. Yeah, I've been listening to the Talk Sport about it as well. And they've been people been phoning in and saying, why don't Premier League clubs, they've got all this money. Why don't they give some to these lower league clubs? And I'm like, I understand the principle. But the problem with that is, and this is what I saw on Twitter, that if one person, you know, they do it for one club, then every club is going to start exactly. coming up with excuses to take money from the bigger clubs. Mm-hmm. But, at the same time, this is a kind of a specific situation where a club could disappear. But at the same time, you can't have – it's a difficult situation because kind of I understand the kind of emotion behind it in terms of, yes, let's, let's share the money out a little bit and help clubs that really need it. But at the same time, you can't also like just do it for every club because then – Every club will start making up excuses to take money. Yeah, I, I, I see. I'm, I've got three kind of tiers to this kind of thing. So you've got the first of all, it's not the fault of the Premier League clubs. No. That- Clubs below them are run poorly. That is, I, to be honest, I, I don't know if you saw the video which was going doing the rounds on Twitter because I actually know the guy that, that did that. I saw clickbait there, to be honest with you. The, the people who are at fault here are the owners of the football club, to an extent, the EFL, the Football League, but they're the, they're the primary uh, antagonists here. The Premier League clubs don't control what happens below. That's nothing to do with them. So that, I think, is wrong. However... And I agree with what you've said, because that's also my stance on it. But in an ideal world, of course, I mean, James Dukes, an account on on Twitter um, who I quite enjoy, put his thoughts across. And at the time, he thought that, I think, I think, well, Steve, the, the owner, uh, has has now said that um, that it actually t- close to two point seven million that needs to be raised. Uh, Steve Dale by the fans and whatnot, but he thought it was. Uh, I think a few days ago it was seven hundred fifty thousand. The figure just keeps going up. But he said that'd be roughly seven hundred fifty thousand pounds would have been roughly thirty eight thousand per Premier League club. So we said two point seven million is, please, I don't know, a bit more than double. So let's say it was like ninety thousand per Premier League club, right? And I am playing devil's advocate here because I agree with what your sentiment is. But it's peanuts, isn't it? It's nothing. 90,000 to save a, a club in disarray is absolutely nothing. I agree with you, James. I completely agree with you. I agree with I completely agree with your point. Because if you do this, people will, like you say, you're encouraging smaller owners to then be risky financially with, with, with what they have, to push the boat out more, to risk the future, club's future more, because they feel then that their elite counterparts can bail them out you know, whenever they whenever they fail or whenever they, um, you know, look 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 iffy financially. But you know, is there are we? Do you think there is a danger though that 
like I say, sort of playing devil's advocate here, that maybe the elite clubs are a bit cut off in terms of a reality that from the people lower than them. Yeah, no, I don't think that's untrue. I think I think I think that's been true for a long time. I think there is an element of where like really elite clubs are a bit disconnected from the rest. You know, I mean, I, I see this at my club, like how it's changed. Even we were a big, we kind of a big club before Roman Abramovich, and then. Now it's kind of gone to a different level, you know. Now there's there's a lot more corporate stuff. It's mm. massive money involved. Um, you know, it's there is a bit of a disconnection between the club and the fans, you know. And they they do like, do a lot of work to try and repair that. And that's probably one of the reasons they brought Czech and Lampard back is to repair that. And same at Man United, to be honest, with Solskjaer. But there is a kind of yeah, we're kind of just separate from everybody else. We have more money. Like we're not, they're not, they're not really connected to the rest of football, and I think that's especially true with the bigger clubs. But I think it's true in the Premier League as well. Like established Premier League clubs have even clubs like mid-table, like Everton or Crystal Palace, whatever. They have more money, way more money hmm. than these lower league clubs, and there's a certain level of disconnection because it's a whole different world. Like, yeah, I mean, the like the year the, the Championship and and you know the uh, football league generally. All three divisions are just a totally different thing than the Premier League, although there are clubs in the Championship which are starting to look a bit more like Premier League clubs, like Wolves and were when they were there, and Aston Villa, Derby, you know, some of the... Middle, they, they often spent quite a bit while, while, while they've been in the Championship. And also, when I used to, I used to do um, commentaries on on uh, Lancaster City Football Club games a few years ago and that was obviously in the non-league tier so that's another tier altogether and you'd go on there and it was incredible because you it's so different to you know the football that we're taking you know every every day at grassroots level you know you you start to appreciate the food vendors that you know the vendors that sell food the vendors that sell beer yeah. and all of this this all helps to contribute to paying uh, to keeping the club alive and yeah. uh, it's it's a massive reality check because you know that and the, honestly that club was it was so the, the owners were so lovely I met the chairman and, and the people there, they, they genuinely wanted the best for that club. But it's just a massive reality check compared to the sort of elite level that we're used to. That all these small things that you that you imagine with small businesses, you know, that like as I say, the the, the food they sell, the, the beer they sell, the tickets they sell, all of this helps to run the club. And and it, and it's uh, it's actually it, back in, in touch with kind of with the football. The, the you know the fans really are you know, in touch with that club. Yeah, and I live I live quite near Sutton United. Uh, it's kind of my local team in terms of where I live. Um, and I've been to their ground. You know, I went to an event at their ground. And, and I remember when oh, they got drawn against Arsenal in the FA Cup. And well, I, I remember like the whole town was like just going nuts about it. There were flags, there were posters everywhere. There was like stuff in the local papers. It was like this big kind of event. The whole town was kind of getting together and you couldn't obviously you couldn't get tickets for it it sold out yeah it really is kind of a local thing and yeah like like you said the you know the it's just a family much more of a family kind of thing and yeah things are cheaper and if people can go and it's like a just being part of your community and and also it's really funny because when I used to commentate on the like a few games in you'd realise there was a, a shift in lots of players because players are only signed often on sort of monthly contracts and then they they're recruiting players who are out of contract. There's no trans big transfer fees like you know we see. It's all about getting people who are, who aren't working or are unemployed, bringing them in so they can do a job. You know, it's very much more it has much more ground feel to it and you know it's very much more 
I guess, personalized. It's a much more personalized experience, you know, going on and supporting a non-league team for sure. I'm just going to actually say, it's, it feels a bit like sort of politically, football's more, it's, it's, it's a very capitalist feel, isn't it? As opposed to a communist level where everyone, where everyone sort of enjoys a level playing field. Ideally, James, I mean, ideally, we strive for a level playing field, don't we? But realistically, that's just never going to happen, is it? Because there's always going to be winners and losers. You're always going to have clubs that are richer than other clubs and those clubs are going to be the most successful clubs. And that's unfortunately how it is. And it's very difficult now, especially financial fair play has actually made it more difficult to break through. Because if financial fair play had existed when the brother Rich bought Chelsea, it wouldn't have been anything like as easy for him to spend all that money. And I think actually one of the reasons that uh, that Chelsea supported financial fair play was because they didn't want anyone else coming in and doing what they'd done. Um, because, they, because there would be competition. And... Although financial fair play is a good thing in that clubs can only spend what they ha- what they make, which I think, but it did work in the favour of the big clubs, actually. Yes, it does actually because it it stops people who want to challenge them from challenging them financially. If they have a rich owner, for example, then they can't. It, it sort of keeps the elite the elite, doesn't it? In in a sense, I guess when you look at it. But just to bring it back, obviously, we hope that Bury do find a solution to their problems, although it is looking bleak at this moment, Friday night. Uh, hopefully on Saturday night or whenever you listen to this, uh, they have found a resolution. But at the moment, it's not looking too bright, and that is very sad to see. Uh, and uh, and listen to uh, and and then with Bolton, a quick word on Bolton because we didn't really talk about them too much. Uh, they were bought in 2017. Uh, Ken Anderson bought 94.5 percent of the club's shares, um, but but there was question marks at the time because in 2005 he was disqualified from being a company director for eight years after his um, firm, Professional Sports uh, International Limited. Uh, um, and several other companies went bust. So he was he, he had form for not do, doing particularly well on the business front, although was allowed to uh, buy, as, as we say, 97, uh, 94.5% sorry, of the club's shares in 2017. Um, and since then, the, the, you know, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily got to plan. Lots of um, poor financial management, it seems, on his behalf. Uh, Bolton don't seem to have luck with, uh, with haven't seemed to have luck with chairman for a while, actually. There's been a few ta- few examples, really, of poor financial management from the from the board members, and obviously Ken Anderson's not done uh, particularly well in his tenure. Uh, a few, recently, Phil Parkinson resigned. You know, they, he basically said it was too much of a distraction, the fact that the people who was training and players who he was working with were more concerned about the, the, the getting paid. They lost 5-0 to Tranmere because he could they could only field the youth players. Uh, they, they have a minus 12 points deduction and they're awaiting uh, takeover from other uh, investors. Uh, they've got one in the pipeline, uh, I think called Football Ventures, but they had been blocked by a court order earlier in the year. So th- there was a snag then and they're hoping they can get it done now. Again, I mean, it's looking very bleak for Barry. There may be a solution for Bolton, but even if they do get this takeover in place, they've still got a 12-point deduction. They've still got players to sort of re-motivate, I guess, because, you know, for many weeks now, months even, they've been more concerned about not getting their wage than they have about, you know, playing football, which is, which again, it's, it's no, no attack on them. You know, they have to earn a living as well. They can't be expected to work for free. And obviously, no, Phil Parkinson only makes the matter worse because he was a manager that was doing the best with what he could. Kept them, I think, uh, in the championship under really difficult circumstances. But now it, I think he's just given up. I feel like he feels it's it's a job too far at the moment. He was holding out for a new, a new ownership, but he obviously didn't get it. Or didn't get it until in, in time, sorry. It's sad, isn't it? Again, another one that's really sad. And hopefully they sort of, as you say, I've been to the, I've been to the, uh, is it still called the Reebok Arena? Um, I don't 
No, of course not. I'm not sure it is, is it? But I, I have been to the new stadium, and it, uh, or new new stadium, the newest stadium that it has been. Because obviously, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, but it, it was uh, a few years ago. It was a lovely stadium. I thought, you know, it was really, um, it, it looked really, really, really nice, really modern. Uh, and I honestly, I can't remember now. I, I'll probably get if there's any Bolton fans. I'm sorry, I can't remember if they did change the name. I imagine they did. They may not have done. But I'm not sure. But it lovely stadium and a, a club with heritage. And again, it's so sad to see what's happening to them happen to them. But it's been happy. It's happened before to Portsmouth in, in Sunderland, as you said. Yeah, and I've seen, I, I listened to, again, I've been listening to a lot of radio, some of the players on there talking about their situation and mm. well, they've got mortgages. You know, they've got mortgages. They haven't been able to pay mortgages and um, they've had to have, have people, uh, I think the Football League have lent them money to pay their mortgage and stuff. You know, and this is, you know, these aren't, these aren't football millionaires who don't need a mortgage. These are real people with real livelihoods and families and houses to pay for and mouths to feed and things. And it's it's a very real situation. And you've got to, and to be honest, you've got to admire their loyalty in terms of sticking with the club, even though they're not getting paid. Um, a lot of credit goes to those players because they could easily, they'd have a, an easy case to just say, well, I haven't been paid for a few months, therefore my contract is void. I could just, I'll just go to another club. But they haven't. They stuck. They stuck. They stuck the club, and that, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And they deserve to get their 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 salary, their money back. You know. Yeah, and we hope we hope that Football Ventures Limited, the company, as I, as I mentioned before, we hope they can complete a deal for the club and hopefully run it better than you know than certainly what's happening at Bury. Obviously, when Steve Dale took over for a pound. Hasn't been able to change the fortunes. He ne- didn't necessarily have the right credentials. It, certainly, if you ask the Bury fans, they'll tell you he definitely didn't have the right credentials to be taken over their football club. Uh, hopefully, Football Ventures Limited take over and give you li- a bit of new life, I suppose, to this club because they need it. And we we hope to see them. Uh, we hope to see a resurgent club actually uh, in the maybe not this season because it's a tough ass, but at least you know in the in the next few years we hope to see them back on the feet. Because uh, terrible, you know, if if both Bolton and Bury were, you know, out of business um, before the end of the year, uh, and we hope, as we say, I'm sure we speak on your behalf, James. We hope Bury find a, a solution, yeah. and we certainly hope that Bolton find one as well. Bolton's got a little bit more time on their hands, I think. Though Bury's really his last chance saloon. So good luck, guys. With that, I think that was a really good discussion so far. I feel like I know we haven't necessarily look too much at transfers we do that usually every week but i feel like this was quite important to discuss and we covered quite a lot there and it was nice to hear your insights on on chelsea and, and other clubs anyway back to the transfers uh and, and, and i suppose i feel a bit bad almost now talking about the elite level players now i'm talking you know these aren't really the things that matter when we talk about what we just talked about but we will do anyway and we'll go to uh we'll, we'll go back to neymar the uh, podcasts you know the podcast man every week, he's always discussed. Okay, so two reports this time. Uh, one from Marcus suggesting that uh, Barcelona wanted a loan deal with a €150 million Euro option to buy next year. That was apparently rejected. And L'Equipe reporting that Real Madrid wanted to uh, acquire him for €100 million Euros with ha- yeah. with James Rodriguez, Keylor Navas and Gareth Bale thrown into the equation. That was also rejected. It seems like, oh, and uh, Gillian Balaguer uh, has also said that Juventus are in the equation as maybe an outsider for the, the Neymar uh, deal. But he has also added that PSG's relationship with Neymar and his father has improved a lot recently, suggesting he may actually stay for at least another season. Uh, however, he also indicates that PSG are holding out for a value for a 
a, a, a combined sort of total valuation of 250 million euros. So I imagine no club would pay that outright, but maybe they could get there with money and players. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I look at if the keep starts, Real Madrid did offer 100 million euros plus James Rodriguez, plus Kaylo Navas, plus Gareth Bale. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's quite a good deal, isn't it, for someone who wants to leave? I think that's a really good deal. I would have taken that because because Bale can play where Neymar's playing for PSG. How the Rodriguez can slot sl- into kind of the number 10, like attacking midfield. He can also play wide. He can play out front. Um, he's a quality player. Kaylon Narris is an excellent keeper. I think, I, would have, I mean, I would have taken that deal. I, I would have taken that deal. Um, but it just shows that they're, they're not, they're just, they're just playing hardball. Really, they you know they want as much as they can get for him. Um, I do think he's going to move. I think it's gone too far for him not to move. I mean, yes, he could pretend. Yes, he's keeping his options open in terms of staying at PSG just in case. But I still think. I mean, I think it's more more likely he'll end up at, at Real Madrid now because it just seems like Barcelona aren't able to get the deal. Like they haven't got the money. Yeah, I'm just... mm. Hence why Mark is suggesting a loan deal with a 150 yeah. million euro option to buy. Yeah, I mean that would that would have been the only way they could have done it. They're, they're clearly desperate to get him. They do. They're, they're just trying everything. It looks like you know. Well, I watched actually Barcelona uh, in their first match against uh, Atletico Bilbao, and. Um, I mean, yeah, they were. I know Suarez went off injured, and they had Messi out of the squad. And 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 you ask any Barcelona fan or someone who watches them regularly, they will tell you that Valverde is a big general problem. His style of play is somewhat clueless. A little bit, people say it's quite conservative with the view to Messi doing magic. So if Messi's not on the field, often Barcelona do look a bit disjointed and not really that fluent. I mean, they, I watched them and. It looked like for large periods of that game, they, they had lot, they had a lot of the ball, but they didn't know what to do with it. Uh, you know, Frankie de Jong, who's coming from Ajax, used to play one-twos and lovely football and intricate style, an intricate passive style of play. He's come in and no one's moving for him. They're, they're all just static and stood still. Um, and they said with Valverde, it seems to be sort of a cautious approach, even though he's got all these wonderful players. And then he's asking Messi to do the, to do the, to do the magic. I mean, Griezmann was non-existent. I mean, uh, did you see the goal by Aritz Adrius? Adoritz, sorry, Adoritz, 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 Adoritz. <laughs> yes, uh, thirty-eight years old, and um, you know, I know, I know. He's, yeah, did you see it? Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But you can see why Barcelona are, are really looking for Neymar now. I'm not sure necessarily Valverde's get. Well, you know, many people will think Valverde's not getting the best out of what he has, but. You know, based on the evidence of game week one, they needed some kind of spark when Messi wasn't there. Griezmann wasn't doing it, although he was isolated. Suarez missed a good chance, went off injured. You know, and then at Barcelona, at Real Madrid, actually, they played quite well. And Gareth Bale performed fairly well as well. I think Eden Hazard's still trying to get fit. They won three one at the uh, last weekend. But 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 again, you can see you can see that, can't you? Because obviously, even though Bale played, Zidane doesn't fancy him long term. There's too much budget, I would have imagined. So he's he's, he's going to clearly want. I think when Hazard comes back, you probably see Bale out of the team. But yeah, he's. I mean, Zidane wouldn't say no, would he? Because at the end of the day, as we said last week, has not the best attitude, to put it mildly. But he is an absolutely stunning player, and and you know, someone who one of the few players that's comparable to Messi and Ronaldo, really. Absolutely, yeah. In terms of ability, absolutely world-class on his day. Absolutely. In terms of ability, any team will want him in their team. There's no doubt about that. And the only thing is his, his attitude. And, uh, you know, I guess Real Madrid and Barcelona are used to having players who've got big egos um, and know how to handle them, I guess. If he was at a club 
I mean, like, again, it's like PSG. Again, he's kind of probably bigger than the club in one way. Like, yeah, I, I, no, no, what, no one could go to Barcelona or Real Madrid and say I'm bigger than Barcelona or Real Madrid, can they? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, not even Ronaldo was bigger than bigger than uh, bigger than Real Madrid. You know, he tried to be, I think, <laughs> but he but he wasn't. Um, and that's the thing with those kind of clubs. And I think that's why Neymar probably would do well at one of those kind of clubs rather than at PSG. And certainly he wouldn't do well. I don't think he'd do well in English football. I don't think he. To English football, and I think also, again, he'd think he was bigger than the club, and that wouldn't be healthy for the club, whichever club it was. Probably Manchester United, um, because that's exactly the kind of player they would go for. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, I think he'll end up back at one of the big two Spanish clubs, probably this summer. But if not this summer, definitely next summer. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about Real Madrid, actually, um, they are, as I say, started the season quite well. But new signing Luka Jovic hasn't impressed. Zinedine Zidane, according to reports, a very Benzema at the moment uh, in that striker position, and La Gazzetta are linking him with a loan move to AC Milan. And I was I sort of I looked at this actually, and I thought it's like you say. I think when Barcelona or Real Madrid come calling, it's not just the footballing ability that, they, that when they sign players that they look at. Really, you need to have a a, a, a really sort of strong mental game as as though to say, you know, what well, I I should be playing every week. I am as good as you know people have said. I you know. Um, yeah, that's, I think the problem with with Jovic is that Benzema is kind of well rooted in at Real Madrid, and he's kind of established as the number one striker, and he's doing well. Um, so it's it's difficult. I think he was like signed as a long term replacement for Benzema. Like he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to replace just re, just replace Benzema. Well, well, the loan deal would suggest long term, you know, to give him time to play and things. He's a quality player. There's, there's, yeah, I mean, I yeah, a lot of Chelsea fans wanted us to sign him mm. this summer. Um, we were, I think if we hadn't had a ban, we would have made a bid at least. Uh, and if he was available, I suspect we would go for him next summer. Um, but um, but he's but yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I heard that, that I heard a quote from Luka Jovic saying that all these reports were rubbish mm. and that he was mm. happy in Madrid and wanted mm. to be there, wanted to get him, wanted to fight his way into the team. And yeah, well, he's not going to say otherwise, I imagine, is he after? A month or two, but I mean, yeah, I suppose I suppose it's a bit like Felipe Coutinho at, at, at Barcelona. He came for huge money after you know from a club in Liverpool, absolutely adored him. You know, sang his sang his praises every week. He, he was he was well loved by his manager and his teammates, and he's gone from that to having to prove himself at Barcelona. And all of a sudden, it didn't that that he realised quickly the grass wasn't greener, doesn't he? But probably didn't. A lot of people said Coutinho was brilliant when he was felt he was loved, but he maybe didn't necessarily have the mentality if it wasn't going well. I think we sort of saw that a little bit. He he went into his shadow a little bit at the at the pinnacle of of, of world football, I suppose, at, at one of the two Spanish giants. Um, so maybe that it's a bit early to say that with Jovic, like you say, young player, long term option. Benzema still playing well, but uh, I think we always have to consider the mental side of it yeah, when absolutely. a player goes to one of those two clubs. I feel like they have to have some kind of bit ego and self-confidence but yeah no we'll, we'll, we'll sort of move away from the, them a little bit actually uh, talk about one of your favourite managers Maurizio Sarri you know uh, before before we um, and before we even talk about Juventus I think we should say uh, get well soon for Sarri anyway because of course he's suffering from pneumonia at the moment he's set to he will miss the first two Serie A games of the season he won't he won't be on the on at the stadium he'll be he'll be recovering and I think it's quite apt, quite fortunate that there's an international break straight after those games so it gives him an even longer period to recover but best wishes from you James as well yeah absolutely yeah I hope he hope he gets well soon yeah and then and also, I was quite pleased that Chelsea sent a little tweet uh, wishing him well yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's a touch. Yeah, quite classy. Um, it, yeah. Um, so uh, I think they left 
Um, I don't think, I don't think they'd have done that if it was Antonio Conte. <laughs> um, but um, who is now Chelsea for No, no. I mean, no. But, you know, I mean, he, he seemed like a nice guy, didn't he? he seemed, you know, he seems like a nice guy. Obviously, it didn't work out for him at Chelsea, but, you know, he, do, he doesn't, you know, he see, you know, we hope, he, again, we hope, we hope that it's nothing. He can, he can recover, he can, he can bounce back with Juventus and hopefully uh, lead them on to things, yeah. But on, on the topic of Juventus, um, they have, uh, Sarri was quoted as saying uh, not too long ago that they had six players too many for the Champions League squad. Uh, which they'll have to release. So they have so a few of those players: Sami Kadira, Paolo Dybala, and Gonzalo Higuain. They're, they're some of the names that they've tried to offload. Uh, Dybala, they haven't managed, even though th- there's a lot of issues with image rights there. Higuain, <laughs> I mean, if, if only Sarri was at Chelsea to sign him, but uh, he, he's not. Uh, obviously, doesn't fancy him when there's a, a much better squad at his disposal. And uh, obviously, Sami Kadira, experienced midfielder. Maybe not quite fit for a, for, for Sarri's kind of football um, in terms of age. He maybe maybe a little bit slow for that kind of thing. But again, he he's another one that they'd suggested they wanted on the chopping block. And you know, people, it's quite obvious they've had quite a good transfer window. Adrian Rabio on a free, Aaron Ramsey on a free, and Gigi Buffon as a backup on a free. I mean, that's excellent. But you know, th- th- there's a bit of a problem that they've got s- sort of too much expenditure, I suppose, at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, it does look like, um, and I think that, I think the Neymar deal has, has is linked to this in some ways because um, the bar has been linked with PSG as a replacement for Neymar, um, and I, I said that that might happen. That's what I, I had a hunch that might happen. Um, I still think it. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player still. I mean, he's had injury problems, but. He's still a solid player. He was linked with Arsenal as well, I remember Kadira. That never materialised. But I mean you could see them getting Kadira as well, really, couldn't you? Because he's sort of, he's quite But yeah, so there'll be a lot of um ins and outs. Um I think Dubai was selected for Juventus' game um this week and um Ramsey wasn't, which is you know, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but um yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, they've got to get rid of players just for kind of numbers purposes for the Champions League but also financial fair play as well yeah I mean they've lost Jao Cancelo haven't they yeah I saw this great thread by the guy by Zach who was on guest on our show about this um, and I think it was last week and about they've run how they've run themselves so well financially and in terms of transfers over the last five or six years and taking a long-term view and been really efficient and you know, financially well run, and now suddenly they're making all these like rash, short termist decisions um, because they're desperate to win the Champions League. And I'm getting you know buying Ronaldo, and um, I think even getting Sarri as well, and, and trying to change the style of play. I think all of that they're just, they're just uh, you know going for delict and stuff. All this kind, of, they're they're just kind of banking everything on winning the Champions League this season. And that's a big risk to take because, to be honest, I don't think they will win the Champions League this season. I don't, I don't think they've got the best team in Europe. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are better. That, well, I think they could get it to the to the final stages, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if they'll go all the way to win it because I think there are better teams that, that can go on and win it. Um, so it's, you know, they just suddenly kind of all... They used to be really well run and now suddenly they've changed it all just so they so they can win the Champions League. And losing a part like the bar really good idea and selling Moyes Keane and stuff I don't think that was a good idea you know the, the, those those are the kind of players you need to be keeping around not getting rid of I mean Higuain yeah I can understand getting rid of him 
because he's you know, come on, he's past his best now. I think that's how obvious he is. Um, and but he's on big wages. It, I mean, it's yeah, he's, it's difficult to get rid of someone when they're on big wages and under contract. And other clubs because they won't take a pay cut, and other clubs will won't be willing to pay it. So. Yeah, that's a difficult situation that they're in. They've got to figure that out. Like you said, raising funds by selling two, you know, very promising players. I mean, Moise Keane, very, very young. Jao Cancelo, still, well, more experienced, but uh, with his best year still ahead of him. It was a surprise for many, actually, that that both of those went. Because, I mean, Moise Keane showed flashes of brilliance at times last season. Um, But obviously, I think there were probably doubts whether he managed to, I mean, as you say, Maurizio, Maurizio Sarri prefers ready-made players, a bit like, I suppose you could say, Pep Guardiola. It, 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 all the big managers, all the best managers prefer ready-made players and, and are somewhat reluctant to give youngsters a chance, and you could probably label that with anyone. Uh, and Juventus' squad is certainly a, a, a very strong squad at the moment, so that's probably why Keane had to be sold, and they're probably sad that they had to sell him, but as you say, again, financial fair play comes into play. Jacques Cancelo... Again, a strange one, but they got Danilo, who's a comp- who's a very more than competent replacement. Wouldn't say he's as good, and I don't think anyone would. You know, he, he he's he's older. He's not got as much potential because he's probably had his best years, or well, he's, he's or currently in that that stage of his career where he's where he can deliver his best. Um, so those you know those were unfortunate, I suppose, and a bit questionable. Like Zach says, you know, um, it, it goes against what they've been doing for the past few years to satisfy. Uh, a quick fix, I guess. So they'll be hoping to get they, they win that prestigious award, that's for sure. Um, but then uh, a few that we, we can whip round. Um, well, I, I'll mention my my little uh, one actually, because uh, I was looking at this player actually called Alex Moreno. Uh, he was a uh, Rio Balacano's uh, left back, and I thought he I'd seen him a few times actually. I thought really exciting young progressive left back, um, fast, could deliver a good ball. I touted him as a replacement for Alberto Moreno. Which uh, for Liverpool uh, as a as a, a second choice left back, and he's now gone to Real Betis for seven and a half million euros and a five year deal. Um, now, James, I'm not expecting you to sort of know or know stats on this guy, but uh, take it from me, he's a pretty good player, uh, and it and it just it's got it's strengthening uh, Real Betis's summer. They've had a fantastic summer, haven't they? The Spanish club. I know Zach is raving about them on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I've read about the deal. I haven't. I don't pretend that I follow football. As- intricately enough to know every single player but um i yeah i heard that he i've heard a lot about him and i've had a lot this is again quite a good deal um for a player of the, of the quality that the potential that he has so yeah if they pull it off i mean yeah i mean didn't betis got um they got um they got to what's his they got the guy from leon i got my, my mind yes they got him yeah and so they haven't had a bad window in the end, um, still, still, if you're really smart, it just proves that if you're smart and know what you're doing, you can actually sign some good mm. players for a mm. reasonable Well, Zach, Zach waxes lyrically, doesn't he, about the Spanish clubs on Twitter that aren't Barcelona or Real Madrid. Yeah, I keep an eye on that because I learn a lot from him. It's, it's, uh, I recommend everyone following him because he just writes, he's got such knowledge of, of football and of players and players that you can get for cheaper actually much better than. People think they are, and I know people have been saying like a club needs to hire this guy because to run their scouting system because he he would literally he'd be a great chief scout, <laughs> like um, you know. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, if he's as good as if he's as good as you say, and and Betis get him, then that's a great deal for them because not only will he improve them, 
then eventually, if he's that good, he'll have they'll have, they'll make a huge profit on him. Uh, yeah, I I thought he when I watched him, I felt like he was he was a player with lots of he was a bit he was a bit rough defensively. Sometimes you thought mm, maybe he's a, he's not quite the finished. He's a rough diamond, I sort of see. It might not work out. It might do. I thought the reason I thought you know Liverpool, I thought he was one of those players that had promise and potential and could do really well you wouldn't necessarily say he was a starting fullback for a big club but you know as a backup for Robertson they never got one in the end uh, they let Moreno go never replaced him uh, but you know I thought I thought certainly in what we look at in modern day fullbacks someone who can stretch a team bomb forward play good crosses into the box I thought he fit that bill but you know I suppose uh, we'll see how he does I hope he does well for Betis anyway and I hope they do well uh, another one uh, that, that that's uh, I was going to say another one that's bitten, bitten the dust, uh, but uh, that's that's a song. Um, Sturridge. Sturridge, yeah. Sturridge. No, yeah, that's a good move for him. I yes. Think. I've always rated Daniel Sturridge. He was at Chelsea, yep. I remember, and he was actually... He was, I forget, forget. I really didn't want us to let him go. I wanted us to keep him. I think he would have been great for us. He did, really did well at Liverpool for a few years, and, you know, kind of... Then the last couple of years, he's kind of stagnated a bit. He's always had injury problems, which kind of held him back. He's never quite reached his potential because of injuries really um and i i hope it works out for him i really think because cause he's because he's a talented player and you know he deserves to be successful and you know he's um he's just not he's just been a bit unlucky with injuries i think if if he hadn't had the injuries he could have been a key player for liverpool now he's that good you know he would he could you know he could challenge to be uh you know a starter for liverpool he's got that ability and he's done it before so it's just it's just sad that he's had those injuries, and I hope that this works out for him. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's got. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I actually said, but Trab's on Spore on a free transfer. He'll be looking to reinvent himself in Turkey. I I, I, sort of, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head, James. When he was before his injuries and his injury problems, I thought he was outstanding. Um, but I thought one of his best attributes which is why I don't think he's the same player anymore, not by a long shot. I think one of his best attributes was his burst of pace. He was so quick, like literally yeah. he'd play balls in behind, he'd be running on, he'd be lightning fast, he'd get onto them and his finishing was excellent. His skills were excellent. He was confident in himself he, and defenders were terrified as he ran at them because you, you knew as soon as he got past you, you weren't catching him. But that, but I think injuries curtailed him so much that he doesn't, he, I think it's, he's almost scared to run at full pelt now. I can't remember the last time I, I saw Sturridge run at a defence and, te- and, you know, speed away from them with it, with his pace. I, I feel like he's, it's, it's not like he's lost it, or maybe he has, but I feel it's more the case that he doesn't want to, um, to um, sort of uh, prompt an injury by, by running too fast and then pulling something. I feel like he's genuinely that afraid of his body. And now maybe he's at the stage where, where he's just lost it, where he's just lost that burst of pace altogether. He plays differently now, doesn't he? He's only, he tries to play deeper, and he's nowhere near as effective when he's playing deeper. He's and he's not running in behind. Yeah, he's got to just that's his game become a sad player in a way. Sad because uh, he does have a lot of technical ability, but as I say, the best thing he did was when he used to burst away from defenders at his pace and then, and then finish off a chance because he's a good finisher, but then he doesn't get into those positions anymore because it's almost like he's, he's playing a different, like a 10 almost, or, or a striker that comes back and tries, and he's not really, he, he was never real, that wasn't really his strength. And now he may be, and hopefully, but I think that's how he's going to have to kind of reinvent himself as, that, as a slightly almost false nine-esque kind of, kind, kind of forward. But uh, obviously, you know, Turkish league's a lot slower pace. Very different league to the Premier League. He'll probably have more time on the ball. Maybe that gives him a new lease of life. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we again will be will be wishing him well uh, with that. Another one, another another British, well English uh, talent seeking new lease of life elsewhere. 
Fraser Forster uh, joined Celtic on loan. Yeah, I was actually really pleased about this when I saw this. Because I, I wrote Fraser, Fraser Forster as a keeper. I think he's, yeah, it's just shocking. I remember like two years ago, three years ago, I remember, he was getting linked with all the big clubs. Like we were, linked, I think Chelsea were linked with him. Uh, and yeah, we were, like he was just um, on fire. He was getting tits as the England number one and all this kind of thing was happening. And now suddenly he'd become like third choice at Southampton. And then you go back to Celtic and it's like, what happened there? Can you remember when he was, uh, he played in the Celtic 2-1 win over Barcelona and he saved everything? Yes, I remember that. I watched that game. Yeah, he was sensational. Yeah, I mean, he's a good keeper. I, I, I think he's just, yeah, I don't know. He's, his career's just stalled. Hopefully that going back to Celtic, that'll kind of revitalise his career a little bit. See, I think he's, I think he's a good keeper. I feel like the standard of Premier League keeper is really high, though. I look at every Premier League club, every number one they have, and I think that's a good keeper, you know. You, you wouldn't want to necessarily upgrade on him. I look at every club and I think that. The standard is really high, like really high. Um, and I look even look at, you know, Angus Gunn's a very good goalkeeper, very good. And he's good with the ball at his feet as well. Alex McCarthy, very good goalkeeper. So I think he's fallen behind two very good goalkeepers as third option. I feel like with Fraser Forster, he's a good goalkeeper. But I'm not sure he's maybe... Uh, maybe not quite a first-team regular in the Premier League. He was, um, you know, he was at one, and, and you know, when he was in the pur- a purple patch of form, he, he'd save everything. I remember you see games, and he'd, be, he'd be making eight, nine, ten saves in some games. You think this guy is unbelievable? You know, he'd make by hook or by crook, he'd get a foot to it, he'd get a glove on it, a palm on it, uh, an ear on the ball. Literally, he'd managed to save anything in some games. But I did feel that there were a few issues with Forster. I think w- what cropped up, uh, his kicking wasn't great. Often with low shots, sometimes with low shots, he'd be quite slow down to the ball. When he's coming off his line, he was often quite slow to come off his line. And I think accumulation of things, really, you know, which 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 sort of came up with his bad form, accumulation of factors meant that he 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 couldn't get his way back into the Southampton team. And with you, I think you know, he had, you know, I think probably his best moments were for Celtic in in that particular that one Champions League game. I feel like he'll be it'll do well for Celtic. It's sort of an opportunity to again like Sturridge revitalise his career. But I feel like. There wouldn't be a Premier League club who'd say, you know, I want him as my number one right now. I don't think there would. I, I think there's too many question marks really with him um, as, a, as a player that's going to play 38 Premier League games. I feel like the, the standard of keeper in the Premier League is really high. And he's, mm, I'm not sure if he's quite there, but yeah, Celtic, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll uh, love that challenge to go back to his old club, uh, of course, to prove himself. Um, another one. Uh, and there's, there's one today actually. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go with Sanchez to Inter first. Alexis Sanchez to Inter Milan. Uh, that's been sort of on and off. Yeah, Solskjaer said today talks are ongoing about it. Um, so I think that will happen. It's really I find this really interesting because um, Antonio Conte signed Lukaku, um, who he wanted when he was at Chelsea, um, and then he want and he also wanted Alexis Sanchez when he was at Chelsea as well. Um, and he's now getting. It looks like he could get them both for. For Inter, um, so and I think the Italian league will be better for Sanchez because it's not quite as physical or quick paced as the Premier League, um, and maybe he'll be playing from. To be honest, he'll be playing for a better manager than Solskjaer because um, Antonio Conte was a better manager than Solskjaer, uh, um, with respect to Solskjaer. Um, yeah, maybe in a way in a system that's, that's more suited to him in a league that's easier for him. Um, at a, a club less toxic for him, and you know, I think I just think he he made the wrong choice. Um, when he, I, I 
he should have gone to Manchester City. If you get the chance to go to Manchester City, you don't turn that down. He, he priced himself out of that move because of his wage demands, and which probably says a lot about him, to be honest. But um, I think if he wanted to take a little pay cut and gone to Manchester City, um, I think he would have absolutely thrived and done really, really well. And we'd have seen the Dexter Sanchez that we thought we were going to get when we went to Manchester United. But um, especially you know, with Mourinho as well, I, I thought, really? Like, I wasn't. I was a bit like, this isn't this isn't a good move because Mourinho tends to ruin attacking players. And like, I, just, I just didn't see it working out from day one, to be honest. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. What I would say is that, it, you know, they United ripped up their financial structure, not for the first time, but they ripped it up entirely to bring Sanchez in. Um, they they were bowing down to every demand, you know. They they there was no negotiation. They were they were they were frothing at the mouth at the price of signing Sanchez. And again, as I say, they just gave what they wanted. Uh, it just shows really, unless this player's like Messi or Ronaldo and an absolute proven superstar at the highest level, there's no doubt in whatsoever. Sanchez was you know he was a he was a consistent performer in the Premier League. You know, a lot of people said he's a really good player. This guy, but it just shows that the risk at, at breaking a financial structure for anybody because people are st- United will still be suffering. Um, you know, right now with that Sanchez issue, because people, as I say, could use the Sanchez stick to beat the board with to make them pay them more money per week. Yeah, exactly. That's right, and that's the balance in football. With terms of wages, you've got to be careful what you pay people because if it's someone like, if it's someone who's performing for you week in week out, and is clearly the best player in your team, and by far, I mean, like even Hazard at Chelsea last year, like you know, you knew he was. Clearly, the best player at the club. He was by a, by a mile, and well, like if and so you pay him three hundred grand a week. Well, you you're not going to say I want the same as him because he's performing at a higher level. Whereas Sanchez gets paid whatever that was, whatever I think it would think it was that three hundred. I think it was five hundred thousand with add-ons with add-ons. Yeah, and I think people were saying, "Well, I'm playing better than him, therefore I should be getting more than him or as much as him." You know, that's how. Marshall, not Marshall. Um, well, yeah, Marshall got he got a big contract, didn't he? And Rashford, too. You know, Rashford got. I mean, the, the, the contract Rashford's on is incredible for a player that, like, what he's done or hasn't done yet in the game. He's a, don't get me wrong; he's a talented player um, with a lot of potential, but he's not an established player yet to be earning be earning that kind of money. You know, um, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's crazy. You know, and. They're talking Hudson Adoy getting paid two hundred grand a week, and I'm thinking, no, don't, no, he's not done that. He's not earned that yet. He's not earned that yet. And, um, so you know, I'm hoping. I don't think that's actually true. I think that's just a bit of gossip, um, to be honest. But um, but you've got to be careful. Yeah, Maurizio Sarri will need another hundred cigarettes at that news. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he, he's actually wanted to stop smoking as well, isn't he, Sarri? Um, you know, he's, he'd already said actually. Yeah, yeah, he had to um, stop at the Chelsea. He had to just he just nibbled fag butts on the touchline. It was quite funny. But, but, but now, but now, I think I think he's already said a few times, I'm, "I'm quitting." You know, and I think probably his health concerns at the moment suggested he does. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Of course, um, absolutely. But anyway, yeah, just just on. Uh, yeah. On that, um, the we, we, we sort of discussed Sanchez. Then, obviously, going to Inter, it'd be, you know, it would probably be a cut price deal. He'd have to lose some of his wages. Um, you know, that'll be. That'll, I'm sure United probably rather see the back of him. I guess. Um, I suppose there is that there is the uh, chance if he did stay, he could rediscover his form. I think the chances of that are so slim. If he didn't, it's just prolonging the agony, isn't it? You just want to get rid now, don't you? Like, like we said. Yeah, I think you're going to get rid. Yeah, absolutely get rid. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Irving Lozano, a player I really like. Um, 
Uh, I really like him. 42 million euro move from PSV to Napoli. Great move for Napoli. That is, uh, to get a player that good for that price is, um, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Can play both sides. Can play, can play all three positions, actually, out front. They can play um, great attitude, really works hard. You know, you contribute goals and assists. He's quick. Um, yeah, there's nothing not to like about um, Hoven Lozano as a player. And for 36 million, I mean, that is a bargain, I think. Uh, and 42 million euros, 36 million. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's actually cheap. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I just tried to sound continental. Um, so he's got twenty-one goals and twelve assists last year in all competitions. That's a you know, highlights what he's what he's capable of. Could score goals, could create goals. I really first came aware with aware of him actually. It was in the World Cup when he played for Mexico, and and uh, he he was brilliant against Germany. He was absolutely brilliant, and and it was that thing you you know it was the work rate, the nuisance factor. He could he'd just run it, run it. He'd run tirelessly the entire game, and it was just a pain. You know, it was just an absolute pain. He had a bit of flair about him. I think the biggest thing was just he was a pain for position to deal with because he was everywhere. Um, yeah, he reminds me of Pedro, like peak Pedro, not the not more current Pedro. But he's that guy. He's kind of annoying and he's quick and he's skillful. He just gets in and scores goals and makes things happen. You know, uh, works really, really hard. No, he does. Yeah. Um, and I and I thought he should. I thought he'd have been a good target for United, actually. You know, I thought. Yeah, I was. I think we were kind of interested um, as well. If, if again, if we hadn't had the ban, um, I would, he's a guy I would have loved us to buy um, to replace kind of William or Pedro or whatever. You know, um, although the Premier League team would probably have had to pay more than more than forty-two million euros, but um, but nevertheless, it would have been. Yes, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, no, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quality player. Um, just so, so sort of, uh, just before we do go, sort of, I think, spend a couple of minutes actually thinking about potential uh, r- potential players on the move who we haven't discussed yet. You know, uh, I think we, we, we look at we look at Paul Pogba, who, who I think looks more like he's going to stay uh, by the day, really. I do think next summer he will, he will move. I think I don't think he's going to sign a new contract at Manchester United. I, 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 I would love that very much. And... I, I think I remember with Cristiano Ronaldo, they kind of, um, I think Alex Ferguson made a promise to him that they would, that if he stayed one more year, that they would sell him next summer. Um, if people were interested, they may have done something similar with Pogba. I, you don't know, but yeah, you can, you can, you can make those kind of promises without actually making the promises. If that makes sense, you can like understanding, which is kind of unspoken, but everyone knows what's, you know, what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Pogba a lot, so we won't do it again. But I just want to uh, say one more thing on Pogba. With um, you know, this this will go out after the Palace game, so I'm not sure how we will have played. Then I assume, you know, I, I assume United will win that game. But in the Wolves game, one-one, I actually thought, in my opinion, I watched the game. There was a lot of there was a lot made about the penalty incident, which I think overshadowed the fact that Paul Pogba was United's best player by a bit on the I thought in the game. I thought he was brilliant. His short passing was was crisp and often sound. His long passing was really good. He was professional. There was no showboating. He was mature in his performance. He won the penalty, which when Solskjaer said the week before that uh, they had very because not just Ashford. You know, I thought, well, Pog was won penalty. He should take it. He took it. He missed, albeit it was a good save. No one says it was. No one talks about the fact it was a really good save. They just say, oh, Pog missed and Rashford didn't take the penalty. I thought that was that was so blown out of proportion. It was unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, people forget. Hang on, Paul Pog was you know. 
know, he, he's been excellent in that game. And he's been better than any United player, for me anyway. I thought he was better than any of the United players over the 90 minutes. And, you know, all, all, the, all the media care about is that he's causing drama and I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. You know, the, even if he wants to leave, that was a brilliant, that was a brilliantly mature performance. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he played well, um, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the result was was a difficult one for Manchester United, and it was coming down after four nil. You know, but but yeah, I mean, yeah. Wolves did did their bit in that game, definitely, and they had a great goal. But where were where it was a brilliant goal? But where would United be without Pogba this season? They'd be nowhere. There's no one who could create in that midfield. Exactly. Last year it was the same. Last year it was the same. They, he was there. He was he was kind of the player that made things happen. You know, Martial was looking good as a striker for them. I've got to say, uh, I, I always thought he's a good. I've always thought he's he is. He's looking very good. Very good. I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, throughout when when, when this when this podcast shifts into a discussion on the on the games only basis. We'll, I'm sure we'll be sinking our teeth into that. To be fair, but just to just to bring you, uh, we're going to bring it to a close in a second. But just a few more uh, little things that we'll, we'll just talk through. Christian Eriksen still at Spurs, played against City. Didn't think he did really anything, to be honest, uh, at the Etihad. But uh, you know, still still obviously, as many people say, an important player. But if his heart's not in it, his heart's not in it. Will he go this summer or will he go in January or will he leave on free or sign a contract? I don't think he'll see out the whole season for sure because Tottenham will want to get some money for him. And I don't think he's going to stay. I don't think he wants to stay long time. Experience. He wants, he wants to go to Spain, basically. Um, whether, it's, whether, it's, whether it's to Madrid or to Atletico, I don't know. Um, but... Again, it's Neymar. It depends on Neymar. I mean, if Neymar goes to Barcelona, then Madrid may go, may make a bid for Ericsson. You don't know that. You know, it's. I think. Yeah, we'll find out more about that at the end of the window. I think, but it wouldn't surprise me if he left. It also wouldn't surprise me if he stayed. But I still think if he stays, he'll probably go in January. Yeah, obviously Lacelso in the wings as well, so he, he's going to probably come in at some point. And just one final word, actually, before we before we depart. Actually, last one. I didn't mention it. I don't know if we mentioned it last week. We probably did, but I will just we'll just reiterate. Good signing for Philly Big Coutinho on loan. Uh, didn't materialise with the PSG where he'd be pot exchange with Neymar, but I think, you know, Bayern Munich, underwhelming transfer window, but good good business there, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great signing for Bayern Munich. Um, he'll definitely improve them. Um, German is a good league for him. Go to, um, and he'll be one of the main boys there, won't he? He'll be one of the main yeah, players. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And by minute player style, which is probably suited to him. So, yeah, that'll do. He'll do well there, and I think yeah, and they'll probably buy him next summer. Uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Anyway, uh, I think we've done quite a good job of covering all bases there. We covered uh, football league clubs that were, that were all, all, that are unfortunately in a bad situation. We covered the elite clubs trying to sign players still because the window's still open. Uh, again, you know, I thought we sort of neglected talking specific games because you know I suppose it's at that time where some of the games are already kicking off right now, and the other games have been a week old. But uh, I think we, I think we got some good discussion there, James. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose you know, hope, hopefully you enjoyed that list and our thoughts on transfers, our thoughts on the uh, and. And such on lower league clubs, and uh, we'll uh, well you'll uh, you'll hear we'll uh, you'll sit here, James and uh, and Deck next week. I don't think I'll be on next week because I've got big plans uh, coming up, but I should be on in two weeks. And James and Deck will hopefully hold the fort really well. So bye everyone, and uh, see you next time. Yeah, bye everyone. <laughs>